0: The following is from Red Hill Baptist Church, where we exist to glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the Gospel. To find out more about our ministry or to contact us, please visit redhillbaptist.org.
1: God sent his son, they
0: please 576 a song that reminds us of something we need to do at all times give thanks with a grateful heart give thanks to the holy one give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son 576 let's sing this little chorus together
1: It's
0: So much. One of the best things that came out of the pandemic for us. John and Samantha getting up here. Praise the Lord. All right, well, take your Bibles, please, this morning and go to the Gospel of John, please, the first chapter. John chapter 1. Mark Twain, do you remember him? Probably, maybe, been a few years, possibly in school. You had to read Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. He famously said, The two most important days in your life are the day you were born. And the day you find out why. Now, I would baptize this statement and change it slightly. I would say the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you are born again. But I don't want to miss what he was trying to get at when he said his statement. He was obviously talking about identity and purpose and the reason why you are upon planet Earth. And we know as believers, the Bible says that ultimately we exist, we're here to honor God and glorify Him and to shine the the spotlight on Him. But God has made us all different. Have you noticed that? Just look around today and uh, not everybody's just like you. And uh, not everybody's alike here. We're all different. And because we're all different, because God made us different, we can glorify God in various ways and in different ways in our life. Now, John the Baptist that we're studying right now had no problem with um, figuring out his identity or his purpose in life. In fact, we're going to see today that John's going to pass one of the most difficult tests that a person can face in life, and that is the test of popularity and notoriety and fame. In other words, when large crowds appear, when everybody seems to be supporting you, it seems, uh, it can be hard to stay humble and to stay grounded. I think about Billy Graham. I've read um, two books on him recently, and I'm reading his actual autobiography right now. But two new books that came out, uh, one by his pastor, Don Wilton, another by another evangelist and pastor named Greg Laurie. And then I thought, well, I read those two. I might as well read his. And one of the reasons that God so mightily used him is because Billy Graham passed the test. He was still humble. He was still grounded. And John the Baptist, likewise, passed the test, and we're going to talk about that today. Now, today we're going to read together John chapter 1, and it's a little bit longer passage, John 1, 19 through 37, but I want you to know before we read it, we're going to see a snapshot from three different days in John's life, three different days we're going to read about here. We'll see a snapshot from day 1, a snapshot from day 2, and a snapshot from day 3. you have it, if you'll follow along as I read John chapter 1 beginning at verse 19 reading down through verse 37. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? It's an important question, mind you. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, Well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Another important question. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Well, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethbera, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now notice verse 29, the next day. Now we're on day two. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now verse 35, again the next day. So now we're on day three. Verse 35. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now imagine, if you will, all the crowds that were going out to hear John the Baptist as he was there preaching repentance and he was baptizing all these people in the Jordan River and in fact so many went out and he had so much attention that the religious leaders the pharisees sent the people to investigate this fellow, find out about him who is he what is he doing and what authority does he do this under and i want you to notice that instead of soaking in all the glory john is going to deflect it all now the question is how was he able to do this i mean imagine throngs of people just gathered and hearing and being baptized and you're getting all this attention and then John is going to just deflect it all, give it all away, in fact, even give away his disciples. How did this go about? Well, from this passage, may I suggest to you three things that John knew that helped him to pass the test. And the three things that John knew from this passage are three things that you and I need to know as well. And I want to share those three things with you quickly And as we think about this episode and these three days from John's life. And I want you to notice, first of all, that John knew who he wasn't. John knew who he was not. He knew who he wasn't. Look at verse 19 again. They send these Jews, and the Jews send the priests and Levites, and they ask him, who are you? Can I just say to you, the way you answer that question says a lot about you, literally. And it actually says more than you might realize. Who are you? How do you describe yourself? When John was asked this question, who are you? He basically had to deny a lot of identities. First of all, he denied in verse 20 that he was Christ. He says, I am not the Messiah. Because obviously a lot of people thought, this must be the Messiah. This must be the one we've been waiting on. And John right away says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. And then he says in verse 21, I'm not Elijah. Now, the question is, why would they ask if he was Elijah? Well, that's based upon Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, which says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so some thought, well, this must be Elijah that Malachi prophesied. This must be Elijah. Come back. And he says, no, I'm not Elijah. And then they say, well, are you the prophet?" Be prophet. He says, I'm not the prophet. Why do they ask about the prophet? Who's that? Well, Deuteronomy 18:15 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And John says, listen, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. John the Baptist had no problem saying who he wasn't. And beloved, can I just say to you, if you want to know who you really are, You've got to understand who you aren't. You have to know who you are not. How many people spend their time, and by the way, if you spend your time on something, you're spending your life on it. How many people spend their time in their life trying to be or pretending to be someone that they are not? It might be because of parental pressure, it might be because of cultural pressure. It might be a multitude of reasons why they think, well, I've got to be this person. And so they spend all this time and effort and energy and money and all this trying to be someone that they're not. How tragic. We've got to come to grips with whom we are not in order to know who we truly are. And can I just say to you, Cause somebody in this room, maybe several in this room, God has brought you, by the way, God is sovereign. God has put you in this room this very moment. This is not an accident. This is God's Word being spoken to you. And maybe this is you. You're pretending to be, you're trying to be, you're struggling to be, you're trying to live up to some identity that is not you. Can I just say to you, there's tremendous relief. There's a tremendous relief of pressure when you go ahead and admit who you're not. Let me give you a real simple example. It's not not that big a deal, but let's give you a simple example from my life. I've told you before that my father died when I was five years old. And my grandfather was a big hunter. My uncles were hunters. We had family that would come in and hunt. My brother is a hunter to this day. And I grew up hunting. I wasn't a very good hunter, but I grew up hunting. I made too much noise because I was little. Well, I was never little. I was young.
2: <laughs>
0: my grandfather would say, "Take me out there, and we'd be out deer hunting." I just wouldn't be quiet. We never saw a deer, but we would go rabbit hunting, and then we would go out, and my brother and I would go out looking for squirrels, and you know, we had those fun memories. I still have fond memories of that. But as I grew up, and as I got older, more and more, I had no interest in hunting. Because I realize I'm not really an outdoorsman. That's not really something that I'm all about. My brother still loves it. Uh, he does that and his, his son and all. And family still does it. It's a big deal. If I were to go back home and be there, I, I'd go hang out with them. Um, but, you know, I'm just not an outdoorsman. I'm not a hunter. And I just accept that. And that, hey, it's a lot of pressure off. I don't have to worry about it. I'm, I'm not going to. And they won't go to the bookstore with me. So it all works out. <laughs> what I'm saying is, There is a lot of pressure on people. Parents, we do this to kids. Uh, Kids have ideas in their head. There's pressure for you to be... The culture tells you things. Commercials, media, uh, Instagram, uh, social media. All these things, they're they're screaming at you what you should be, what you should not be, what you should have, what you should look like, how you should dress. And the sooner you will just come to grips and say, listen, that's not me, the sooner you can just relax. And just say, and John had no problem saying, I am not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. He was not putting on airs. He was not trying to be someone that he was not. He knew who he wasn't. And therefore, it was easy for him to know who he was. He knew who he was. Look back at the passage in John again, this time, verses 22 and 23. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who send us. What do you say about yourself? Not only about you, but that's one of the hardest questions that people say, Well, tell us about yourself. <laughs> um, that's going to be a very difficult question. But they said, Listen, we've got to give an answer to those who send us. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. And I want you to notice what John says about himself in verse 23. He said, and I want you to notice what he said. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. When they said, Now remember, John is drawing huge crowds. They're coming out to hear him preach. He's seeing people baptized. God is blessed in his ministry. He's God's appointed forerunner for the Messiah himself. And they said, Well, tell us about yourself. He didn't say, Well, look at all my crowds. Look at all the baptisms. Look at all that God is doing. No, what did he say? He says, I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. I'm just a messenger. I'm just trying out to make straight the way of the Lord. Now think about this great man for a moment. You remember what Jesus said about him? I gave it to you in the very first message. This is what Jesus said about John the Baptist in Matthew 11, 11. Matthew 11, 11. Here are the words of Jesus. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus says, listen, of all those who have been born of women, there's none greater than John. And they said, John, tell us about yourself. He says, I'm a voice. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm just saying, get ready because the King is coming. I'm a voice. He says in verse 27, it is he who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. In other words, what John is saying to them is, listen, my life is not about me. My life is about Jesus. I'm not preaching me. I'm preaching Jesus. I'm not pointing people to me. I'm pointing people to Jesus. John the Baptist knew who he was, no doubt about it. And let me ask you a question. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? Who are you? Some listening right now, if you were honest, you have to say, listen, I, I'm a sinner. I, I need repentance. You can have it today. Others might say, well, I'm a child of God. And I'd rejoice with you, but I still want to ask you, do you know who you really are? I'm convinced one of the greatest tragedies in Christendom among true believers is the fact that believers do not know who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ. And, and, and they go through life struggling in so many ways because they don't know who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ. And by the way, can I just remind you that our identity is to be found in Christ? We look at it in our world, and our world's sick. Since sixth shape. It's sad. We're seeing things and hearing things, and people are struggling with things that, and we look at it, and we just can't imagine, some of us. And, and we're living in a day where people don't know if they're male or female. They, they want fluid uh, gender and identity and all these things. And we look at them, and if we're not careful, we can have a very un like response to them. What we need to do is pity those people and pray for them. You know why? Because they're looking for Jesus. They need Jesus. The only identity they're really looking for is they need identity in Christ. And the Bible says that those who don't have Christ are in darkness and the devil's blinded their eyes and, and they're there groping along and that's why they're confused. That's why they don't know if they're a man or a woman or something else. And they don't know a lot of the basic things of life that you and I take for granted because they don't know the Lord. And they need Jesus. We shouldn't laugh at them or poke fun of them or anything. We should pity them and pray for them and share with them the glorious gospel that, hey, what you're looking for. His name is Jesus. And he'll give you meaning, he'll give you identity. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you significance. He'll give you forgiveness. He'll change your life as He gives you life. But I'm talking about believers today. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know what you have in Christ? Now think about it. John the Baptist here He passed the test. And I want you to look at verses 35 to 37 again. It says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. This is after he baptized Jesus. He's testified that Jesus is the Son of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. I want you to notice verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak. Now watch this next part. And they followed Jesus. In other words, these two standing with John as his disciples, they hear John's words, behold the Lamb of God, and they leave John and follow Jesus. And can I just say to you that no doubt John rejoiced when they left not because he didn't like them, not because he didn't love them, not because he didn't appreciate them, but because John knew something else. John knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. If you get this third one right, it'll help you with the first two. If you know who Jesus is, it'll help you to know who you are and who you are. I want to just point out three statements that John made about Jesus here. Two of them are very similar. We could say more, we could talk more about what John said about Jesus, but I just want to focus on three. Verse 29, look at what he says about Jesus.
1: The next day John
0: saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then verses 35 and 36, again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus, and as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And then I want you to notice another statement in verse 34. He says, And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now John here, in these few words that he shares, he testifies that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Son of God, and the one who takes away the sin of the world. In these brief statements, John talks about the Incarnation. You say, well, what's that? Well, it's just a $20 word that means that God became man without ceasing to be God. We celebrate it at Christmas time. The Incarnation. He's the Son of God. He he ventures into the atonement. That is that Christ, He takes our sin upon Himself. He paid for our sin. He takes away the sin of the world. That's why He died on the cross. And He also ventured into the deity of Christ. By the way, He was a rugged outdoorsman. He was a a camel hair wearing, leather belt wearing guy out there crying out, eating locusts and wild honey. But look at his theology. I mean, look at what he's saying here. He mentions the deity of Jesus Christ. He says, This is the Son of God. In other words, John says to his disciples and anybody else who heard him, This is the Savior. This is the one we've been waiting on. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And, beloved, when you get this down, when you meet Jesus as your Savior and you recognize who He is, it's so clarifying in so many other areas. Life is too short to get this wrong. You recognize that, don't you? Life is short. It's short. I had an old picture from high school pop up on my... Facebook memories, and I shared it. And I had to get a calculator out to figure out how long ago that was. 27 years ago. Seems like yesterday. And I guess that means tomorrow will be 27 years again. That's how fast life goes. And life is too short for you to waste your life trying to be, pretending to be someone that you're not searching and groping, wondering, what am I about? What's my life about? You need to know who you are not. You need to know who you are, and the key to that is to know who Jesus is. We make it hard. you know why? Because we make it about ourselves. We make it about ourselves. We try to find ourselves and fulfill ourselves and all. We wrestle with identity. Why? Because it's all about us instead of about Jesus. When your identity becomes Jesus. In other words, your life is all about Jesus. It centers upon Jesus. It revolves around Jesus. It's focused on Jesus. It's amazing how all that other stuff falls into place. The Bible says it this way in Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. If you go read that passage, it's about the needs of life, the necessities of life, what we're going to eat and drink and all this. Well, you know, you just focus on Jesus. All these are the things that have a way of clarifying as God provides We have a hard time figuring out who we are. You know why? else? because uh, our motives aren't pure. Why? Because we want it to be about us instead of about him. Now, I I don't want to overly simplify life today. I don't mean to do that at all. But I do want to bring some clarity to life today. And that is this. Life, really, for the believer, is all about knowing Jesus. And that's what life is all about. Knowing Jesus. And like John, we've been put here to know Jesus and help others to know Jesus. If you're working in Bible school this week, can I just remind you, Bible school this week is all about Jesus. When those boys and girls come, let's point them to Jesus. Let's love them like Jesus. As we're serving, let's do it for Jesus. Whether you're, you're, you're putting a hamburger on a plate or you're taking a crew around or you're getting... A water balloon thrown. Out, whatever happens this week, it's all about Jesus. That's why we're here. It's not about us. It's not about Red Hill Baptist. It's not about numbers. It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus. And when John the Baptist looks at, he sees all these people. He says, "Who are you?" He says, "I'm a voice. Make way for the King." Our lives are for Jesus. Our bodies are for Jesus. Our talents are for Jesus. Our time, our talents, our gift. And beloved, can I just tell you, if you live this way, there's tremendous joy. We get miserable when we focus life on ourselves. You ever know a self-centered person? Don't look around. There's tremendous joy when your life revolves around Jesus. Now listen, I want to say this in closing. If you are wrestling with who you are, who you aren't, what you should do, where you should go, what decisions you should make, I don't expect things to be crystal clear in these few moments we've spent together. Maybe they are. And praise be to the Lord if they are. But my hope today is that I planted a seed And my prayer is that you'll take these things we talked about and you'll get along with the Lord. And I mean literally get along with the Lord. You'll take a tablet or a journal or something, your Bible, get along with the Lord and really talk to the Lord and say, first of all, Lord, help me to understand who I'm not. And then, Lord, help me to understand who I am. Who did you create me to be? Who am I? And then the third is the most important. And as I said before, it's probably the key to the first two. Lord, would you help me to know who you are? And help me to find my identity in you and my purpose in you and my life in you. Oh, to be like John. That when we are put on the spot, when it seems that everybody's turning their attention to us, we're able to to deflect and say, let me point you to Jesus. John would say later, and we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, in John chapter 3 and verse 30, I believe it is, he said these words about Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. And although it seems very odd to us, that's the source of tremendous, life-changing, awesome, peace, and joy in our lives. Father, help us to live out these truths. May our lives be all about Jesus. We love you today. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. If anybody doesn't know Jesus, may they come to him this hour. For those of us who do know him, help us to know him better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 544, the altar's open. You want to come and pray today? You need to be saved today. We would invite you to come. Let's stand together.
2: 544.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We trust that our time together was a blessing to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and of course on our website at redhillbaptist.org. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.